Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. On this episode, I'm going to get into what I said I would talk about on the last episode. We're going to look at some scriptures that tell us who we are in Christ that should amaze you and have you wondering why we are not dominating on earth as the people of God. Scriptures that should raise your expectation, that should have you looking for supernatural power in your life, power to prosper power to heal and to heal others, power to be delivered from whatever bondage, and power to impact the world for good. But first, I need to give you some history to understand the power that's about to come on the earth. You know, if you've been listening uh, for a while, you've heard me talk about uh, Joel chapter 2, which talks about a people that will manifest on earth that they would be a people like no other people has ever been on earth. Now, to understand of what's about to happen and to set an expectation for it, you need to know some history on how God has operated in the past and how throughout history, God has turned up the power when he found someone that would believe him. Let's start with uh, Abraham. God told Abraham that he would give him a land. He showed him the land and made a covenant with him where he swore that he would give it to him. But he but he also said to Abraham that his future seed would be strangers in a land and would be afflicted for 400 years, but that he would bring them out after 400 years and give them the land that he has promised to Abraham. So after 400 years of bondage in Egypt, no miracles happening, God shows up to one man named Moses. He shows up in a burning bush and spoke to him out of that bush. He told him to go to Egypt and bring his people out. And when he went to Egypt, God did miracle after miracle after miracle. And he and they left Egypt with most of the wealth of Egypt. And God, over time, turned these former slaves into a mighty army that went and took the land that God had promised Abraham. And they did it with God performing miracle after miracle after miracle. But they got in the land, and after a while, they got away from God and went into bondage again. And it was a period that they didn't see God moving with miracles like they had seen him before. Now, I'm going to jump thousands of years forward now to when Jesus, to right before Jesus came. God's people were under Rome's dominion at that time. The supernatural, the miracles were not happening like they happened in Egypt. But there was one man named John the Baptist 
He was out in the wilderness, not in the synagogue, not in the church of today. He was crying out in the wilderness saying, there is a deliverer coming. And he was talking about Jesus. And one day here, Jesus comes to be baptized by John. And John said, this is the one that God sent. And Jesus began to do miracle after miracle after miracle. Now, after Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead, his disciples continued moving in this supernatural power and doing miracles. But eventually the miracles stopped and the church went into a period called the dark ages. No miracles happening at this time. Now, I'm going to jump all the way forward now from there, all the way to the early 1900s. in the early 1900s, there was, an, there was something called the Azusa Street Revival. A man by the name of William J. Seymour and other men were waiting on God, seeking God, and the power of God fell. And from about 1906 to about 1915, miracles were happening again. People were being healed. People were being delivered. People were being set free. Now, I'm going to fast forward even further. Let's go to 1945 and 1946. There was something called the Healing Revival that began. Or Roberts and others were having tent meetings, and there were documented miracles that were happening where people were being healed. Uh, if you were to go on YouTube and look for a man by the name of R.W. Shambach, Shambach and, and, and put in 26 miracles, put in R.W. Shambach, 26 miracles. And you're going to hear him tell about a baby that was in one of these services that had 26 major diseases. He saw the baby, which had no feet. He saw the feet grow out right in the service. The baby was blind. He saw the baby healed right in the service. And all 26 diseases were healed. Now, I was told that pride fell among these uh, leaders. And that's why the power stopped. The The power stopped moving. Now, the reason I'm giving you this history is to show you that throughout history, there has been times when God has turned up the power, but he first had to find someone who would believe him. Now, the scriptures that I'm about to share with you should enable you to see that what God has, when God has a people who believes this, that we will see a people like never before. You know, they will, they will actually believe the Bible, believe what's written about them, and supernatural power and manifestations and miracles will happen all over the earth like never before. And we will see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. That's what's about to take place. So I gave you a little history. Now let's go into the scriptures and let's look at these scriptures and see what God says, who we are, and, and what we can do in Christ. We're going to start with something I've been quoting, but I want to read from that passage this time. I've been quoting the part where Jesus is talking about us doing his works. Let's listen to what he says, and we'll get a little understanding of what's about to take place. I'm in John chapter 14, verses 8 through 14 is where I'm going to read. Philip said unto him, unto Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how say you show us the Father? Believe you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father 
and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the works sake. And we could actually say it this way, believe me for the fruit that's manifesting through what I'm saying and him performing. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my, my name, I will do it. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus said, when you ask in my name, I will do it. He earlier said that he spoke words and the Father performed his words. So what he is telling us here is that we're going to operate in the same manner that he is operating, and we're going to be able to speak and see the same type of manifestations happen that happen. This is Jesus talking. This is not me talking. He said we're going to do this. Jesus is telling us that we will do what he did. When is it going to happen? When we believe what he said and dare to speak like he spoke, expecting our God and Jesus Christ to perform the words he said, just like he said. Now, let's go to another passage to understand why Jesus spoke like this. Now, this is the passage that I'm su I'm suggesting you to read uh, in the book of John. If you haven't been reading the Bible, this is where you should start. And now I want to I'm going to read this and I want you to hear this, not like it's a fairy tale, but like it is the truth. This is God's word. John chapter one, verses one through 16. Here's what it says. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shined in darkness and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Isn't that something? Verse 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. He's talking about the Jewish people rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Notice that verse there. He said, but as many as received him. You see, when God came in that smoke infested room when I was 17 years old and he gave me an opportunity to have an out of body experience, that was my opportunity to receive him. And my life dramatically changed after I received him. Verse 12 again says, but as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to the them that believe on his name. I got the seed of Christ at that time. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, let me break down to you what this is actually saying. It says we were born not of the blood of man, not of the will of man not of the flesh of man, but it ends with God. You know what this is really saying? It's saying that we were born of the blood of God. We were born of the flesh of God. We were born of the will of God. Now, when you internalize that and you get that in your spirit and you understand what, I, what has just been read, you'll understand who we are and the army that's going to grab hold to this and begin to walk like this. Verse 14, 
and the word was made flesh. Now, if you now for those that would dispute the fact that that's talking about the blood of God, the flesh of God and the will of God, look at the next verse. And the word was made flesh. We saw in the beginning that the word is God. So that's telling us that God was made flesh. So how were we born? Christ had to die. His flesh had to die. His, it was of his will. It was of his flesh. And he had to give his blood. 14 again. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, this was he of whom I spoke, that he that comes after me is preferred before me. And he was before me. And verse 16, and of his fullness, talking about the fullness of God, have we all received and grace for grace. How do you misunderstand that? He said of his fullness, we have the fullness of God. Jesus was saying we will do what he did because we received the fullness of him in seed form. And when we give this seed in us, the water of God's word and the sunshine of his presence, we will become just like him. He said it, born of the blood of God, born of the will of God, born of the flesh of God. And God, who is the word, became flesh and died for us. And he is now in us. Let's go on to Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 and 23 through 23, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give unto you the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, if we stop for a minute and we go back to what I just read, and it says here is what is the hope of his calling? Well, the hope of his calling is those that receive him will become the manifested sons of God, just like Jesus Christ. And he's saying here that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened in your spirit, that you will have the wisdom and revelation or knowledge to understand truly what God has done. I'm going to continue at verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above, listen to what it's about to say, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet, Christ's feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, notice he says that the church is his body and all principalities and powers and rulers of the doctrines of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places have all been placed under the feet of Christ. So if they're under the feet of Christ, they're under our feet. So every bit of our opposition has already been defeated. It says that we are his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. Every believer has Jesus Christ in them. They are all in their spirit. They are all that Jesus is right now in seed form. And when they begin to water the seed with the, with the, with the water of God's word and the sunshines of, of his presence, then they will begin to become who Christ is and do what he did. Let's continue. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. Verses four and five. Actually, this is first John chapter five. Okay, verses four and five. 
For whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You see, Jesus has already overcome the world. And the world has to do with everything our enemy, Satan, brings against us. Jesus has already overcome it. And through faith in who we are in Christ, we can overcome lack, sickness, disease, everything by faith in God and who we are. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to stand. The enemy's going to put up a fight. But you have to have these truths uh, built into your spirit to understand that this is who you are and you relentlessly refuse to be denied what's, what's available to you. Let's continue. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, the enemy would have you to think that you're still cursed. That's not possible. If you're in Christ, you are no longer under the curse. Now, he'll paint a real strong picture to make you think that you're cursed and you're not blessed. But here it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he's hung on the tree. It would be unjust for Jesus to hang on the tree for your sins, for, for the curse, and, and God still put it upon you. That is a lie, and it cannot happen. And notice the next verse says in 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, the blessing of Abraham, God promised Abraham the world and everything in it. And if you and I are the seed of Abraham, which is Christ, then we are possessors of everything. We just have to stand our ground and be determined that we're going to see this come to manifestation in our lives. See, our deliverance is not coming. It's already happened. And it's through stubborn faith in who God says we are and who he has made us. That's what's going to bring it to pass. Now, let's continue. You'll see in these verses, if we ever rise up and start acting like these verses are true, the world, we're going to turn this world upside down. And I don't know, know about you, but I'm planning on allowing God to flow through me in this manner. Hebrews chapter six. Now, this one here, <laughs> listen to this with our religion. OK, listen to this verse. Uh, Hebrews chapter six, verses 12 through 15. That ye be not slew for or lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You need both. You got to have the faith and you got to be patient to wait on God to do what he said. Verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I, I will multiply you. And so after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Wow. Do you hear this? God is saying that he was going to bless Abraham's seed the same way God he is blessed. How is God blessed? Doesn't God have everything right now? And so if we are blessed, we are the seed, then we're as blessed as God is. And he says he's going to multiply himself. What kind of power is God moving in? 
So what kind of power should we be moving in? But see, this is not just going to happen because it's written. It's going to happen because you take it off of the pages, get it into your life, and then you begin to talk like this. You begin to walk like this. You begin to expect it. And guess what? All hell cannot stop it from coming to pass. Now I'm going to Ephesians chapter one, verses two and three. Now I said, all things are ours. Listen to what the scripture says. Verse, uh, it says, grace be unto you and peace from God, our father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now I want you to notice something. He said, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It didn't say he's going to. It says he has. Now you have to understand that everything in the natural, this world started in the spirit. And he's telling us right here that all spiritual blessings in heavenly places are already ours in Christ. God will have a people in this day that believe this. And the question is, will you be one of them? Now I'm going to go on to Ephesians. Chapter one, I'm going to continue, I should say. Listen to this and listen to who we are. I'm at verse four. According as he has chosen us in himself before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. I want you to notice he said that he has gathered everything in Christ. And so when I say to you in the Bible is saying all things are ours, the reason why all things are ours is because we're in Christ. And once we come to understand that and we understand what is really available to us and we put our foot down, we will see it. You see, let's go on to one, maybe one last scripture I'll cover here. I'm in Hebrews chapter two. I'm at verse 14 and 15. This scripture, I meditate on this scriptures before I get out of bed, before my feet hit the floor. I meditate on this scripture while I'm laying in the bed. Listen, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see this? This is telling us that no matter what we're facing, if we're in Christ, we wake up in the morning with victory every morning because Jesus has overcome him. It says that he destroyed him. All that the enemy can do is try to show you something. Look, look, see, see, feel, feel. It says that we've been delivered who through fear. So what he, what does he try to do? He tries to show us something, to put something in front of us, to make us believe that what, what he's placed in front of us is true, but it is not. It's a lie. See, he has already been defeated. And it's when we understand 
that we believe God regardless of what we see and feel. And then we meditate in these truths. You know, it's just like when when you uh, were in school, you know, you had to prepare for a test. You had to internalize what you needed to answer those questions. It's the same with the test of life. Satan will consistently bring things against you. And so you're going to need to have internalized who you are in Christ. These truths that I'm talking about here now, that your response is in faith and not in fear. He is defeated. All he is is a bluff. He's got a bluff. He's a deceiver. He wants you to look at what what he can put in front of you, what you feel. But when you stand true with what the word of God says, this is why you need to know the word. This is why you need to internalize it. And when you do that, guess what? We will walk like Christ. And we will believe what the word of God says. And every challenge that comes against us, we will believe that we already have the victory in Christ. Okay, so with stubborn faith, we hold our ground and believe we are on top. And guess what? Defeat has to run away to these kings that we are on the earth. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans. And God will begin to show you his purpose for your life. And he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode. I was